travellers, and welcome to podcast 96 in our series, You Should Have Been There. A very special edition indeed with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And it's, of course, time for our Christmas quiz. And we're joined by one of our absolute all-time You Should Have Been There favourites, none other than the founding editor of Wonderlust magazine... Yes, it's Lynn Hughes. Hi there, Simon. Hi, Mick. Lovely to be here. Great to talk to you again, Lynn. And are you ready to do battle with Simon in uh, in the, um, I must say, authorised uh, Christmas quiz? Because never did I think that this would be um, uh, a cause for uh, concern or political debate. But uh, quizzes are these days. Um, now, we know Simon has brought his sound with him. Have you brought yours, Lynn? Oh, absolutely. I've got my gong here. Oh. And, and not to be uh, outdone or left out. <laughs> Hang on, you're not taking part. You're the quiz person. Ah, yes, but but I might need this to signal the beginning and end of rounds in the best uh, traditions of uh, boxing and uh, Christmas quizzes. I am the question master, uh, the question setter, taskmaster, referee and final arbiter of what's going to go on. So it will be one point for a correct answer with random bonuses and deductions entirely as I see fit. And uh, uh, an interruption with a wrong answer means that the opponent will get all the clues. It'll all become clear uh, in a minute. And at the end of this great uh, government authorised quiz, there will be a prize (laughs) for the winner. A stay in a luxury Caribbean villa sponsored, well, that means paid for, by an anonymous friend or donor. Um, And it's worth saying that we are all in separate locations. Um, We are not seeing either the Cabinet Secretary, Simon Case, or the Prime Minister or anybody else walking through having a word with um, with, with, with our our staff. And no cheese or wine is involved. (laughs) Anyway, to business. Round one. After last year's um, award-winning round one, which was (laughs) TU, Tango Uniform, this time uh, I'm going for another important travel abbreviation, but I think it's better to have a positive one, a more positive one than Tango Uniform. So this time it's TA, Travel Agent. Ah, good. Okay. All I can say is that, um, well, these difficult days, positive does have some rather negative connotations, but we'll leave it there. Oh, God. That's like trying to argue that a party didn't take place when actually it was a gathering. Anyway, all these places which I'm going to um, uh, quiz you on, and we'll call them destinations, begin with the letters T-A. So I'll give you a sequence of factual clues and you gong or toot as soon as you think you know the answer. So, number one, Faye Dunaway was born here. In its city museum, you can see works by the Highwaymen, a group of black artists, painters mainly, who specialised in very, very lovely landscapes and were mainly self-taught. Now, here's a quote from its website. It offers miles of canopy roads and large tracts of public green space where white-breasted nuthatches, Mississippi oh. kites and red-headed woodpeckers can be spotted while waiting for a traffic light to change. What? <laughs> okay, another clue. It's the capital of a US state. Is it Tampa? Ooh, no. Um, uh, the Tampa is not, with greatest respect, um, 
it's Tallahassee. Yes, that's right. Unlucky, Lynn, nearly. I mean, you got the right state, but not quite the right city. And look, if you are going to Tallahassee, it's um, uh, plumb in the middle of the Florida panhandle. This is a completely different world from the the, the more familiar peninsula, where you do indeed find Tampa and St. Petersburg and Orlando and Miami and the Keys and so on. You really are in the deep south. So I'd urge people to go there. You've also got superb beaches in places like uh, Pensacola and uh, Panama City Beach, not to be confused with um, well-known Central American capitals, by the way. Okay, next question. TA, don't forget. This city has a medieval tower called Kikindi... <laughs> I can't say it without oh. laughing. Called Kikindi Kirk. It has an unusual maritime museum set in old seaplane hangars. Its currency is the euro, but used to be the croon. Yes, Lynn. Is it Tallinn? Brilliant. Absolutely spot on. Yes. Can you give us the name of that uh, that, that church again? Because I, I, I was thinking Tallinn, but then it sounded Dutch, what you were saying. But anyway. <laughs> ah, well, this is the bonus question here. I'm going to give a bonus. If you can actually tell uh, me or us um, what uh, what this Kiekin de Kirk actually means. Any ideas? And it is actually low German, I'm I'm reliably informed. That's why it, it sounds Well, like. I assume that Kirk is, is church, but um mm. uh, no, it's not church. Um it's it's kitchen. So peep into the kitchen is what it means. So it's a very high tower, <laughs> so you can look down on the rest of the uh, very lovely medieval quarter, I gather. Well done, Lynn. Broken your duck there. Uh, mm. Another question. This is the second oldest freshwater lake in the world, the second largest by volume and the second deepest. And in all cases, it comes second after Lake Baikal in Siberia. Che Guevara set up camp on its western shores in 1965. Yes, Oh, spot on. Gosh, you are galloping ahead here. Yeah, uh, I was going to tell you that the lake is shared between four countries. Um, Tanzania, uh, of course, which used to be called Tanganyika, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Burundi and Zambia. Next round. Parties that did and didn't happen. (laughs) This festival can run for 17 days or 18 days. It starts in September and runs into October. Yes, Lynn. This is Oktoberfest, which was, of course, cancelled in 2021. Well done. Um, did you know there's also a, a, a spring festival as well, a, a much lower key one, which also takes place in Munich? No. Called the, How lovely. Yeah, Fru, Frühlingsfest. <laughs> Spring fest, and I think you can drink a bit less, and it lasts less long as well. But well, uh, I, I, anyway. I look forward to that. I will um, hope to see you there, even though as as we speak, um, uh, Germany has just banned all British visitors um, until further notice. Uh, no politics, please, Simon. <laughs> it's very hard to avoid politics these days. Yeah, fair point. Um, now, the origins of this festival come from an old carpenter's tradition. Um, and uh, in celebration of the arrival of spring on the 19th of March uh, and on the day of the carpenter's patron saint, who I think is St. Joseph. It's nearly 
three weeks long. And one strand of the fun is the huge satirical figures that get burnt. Yes, Simon. Uh, This must be the Fias in uh, Valencia in Spain. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever been? I have. have. Is it good fun? It sounds great. It's absolutely spectacular. Of course, you cannot find anywhere to stay for complicated reasons. um, I didn't have anywhere booked. And in the end, the police gave me a lift to a town sort of 20 miles away. And uh, I managed to find somewhere there. which was very nice of them. But uh, yeah, if you've got somewhere to stay, absolutely fantastic. And of course, uh, one of the great unsung Spanish cities, I would say third after after um, Barcelona and Madrid. I don't know. Malaga also has a good shout, and not to mention Seville. Yeah. This party will start next February the 25th, COVID permitting, on a Friday when the mayor of the city hands over the keys to King Momo, a mythical figure who is said to lead the festivities. The tradition goes back to 1933. Yes, Simon. Well, this is going to be Mardi Gras. um, And it's a question of whether it's the one in New Orleans or in Rio. I'm going to go New Orleans. Sorry, Simon. Lynn, uh, more clues. Um, This party goes on till March the 5th and a key feature of it is the Samba Drome which was designed oh, in the night. It's 90- got to be Rio de Janeiro. Yes absolutely <laughs> yes I'll give you the point even though you didn't do your um, your gong. Oh sorry. Ooh. Yes well done Rio de Janeiro. Well, I was very thrown because a plane went over the house and there's so few of them these days. Well, enjoy it while you still can. Um, anyway uh, that brings us on very neatly to the next round which is called uh, highs and lows. The first of all, it's highs. So highs, here we go. The world's highest railway station is called Tangula. But which country is it in? Uh, Simon. Well, it has to be surely Tibet. Uh, I, um, yeah, I'm going to say Tibet. Uh, There's a line in Bolivia, which also goes to ludicrous heights but um i think i think the uh the line up to laza in tibet is the uh the one well you're 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 right you're not really supposed to call it tibet anymore i should just we said no politics (laughs) (laughs) yes good point but i think the chinese autonomous region of tibet would be um more uh accurate but um the uh, Tangula station is uh, unstaffed and it is a mighty 5,000 metres uh, up in the air, uh, and uh, which is indeed higher than the uh, Condor station uh, in, in Bolivia. And um, uh, I believe that um, you can't actually get off the, the train, at, uh, the Quinjang railway train at, the, at that station, but you are allowed to go to the windows and take pictures of the uh, astonishingly beautiful mountain range. Another high. The country is obvious, but what's this viaduct called? It holds the world record for the tallest bridge. That's not the highest, but the tallest. Its towers are um, uh, 343 metres um, uh, above the Tarn Valley, which it touches in only nine places. Mm. Lynn. Is it the Milau Viaduct? Yes, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm going to call it the Meow Viaduct and uh, in a desperate <laughs> attempt to get... I was rubbish uh, at French at school. Yeah. 
in the meow. <laughs> yeah, I'll call yeah. it the meow <laughs> viaduct, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, if you'd got your cat to join in then, Simon, I would have given you a bonus. But uh, anyway, it is an utterly beautiful thing uh, designed by a French, uh, conceived by a French engineer, Michel uh, Villogueur, and designed by the English architect, uh, um, Norman Foster. Anyway, it, uh, it, it's, it, it looks incredibly light and curvy and beautiful um, and floaty and rests on seven very slender, I could say worryingly slender pillars. Uh, I've got a bonus here. How much do you think it would cost you to drive across it? Uh, what's the toll for a small car to the nearest euro? Yes, uh, Simon. I shall say 15, which sounds like a lot of money, but I presume that the diversion going down into the valley is going to cost you getting on for that amount in fuel. Yeah, Lynn, maybe a bit high there. Oh, sorry, I've given that way. Sorry, Lynn. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> Are we going nearest? Um, I would say 10. Uh, well, it's actually 7.50, so I'd have given you Bargain. seven or eight. But obviously, you've done better than Simon. So I'll give you, <laughs> even if I, I did give you a bit of a handout. We've had the highs, now it's the lows. The lowest place on the planet. It's a whacking 430 metres, 1,410 feet below sea level. It's a lake that's misnamed, but understandably so. Simon. Dead Sea, yes, uh, Dead Sea. Oh, I thought that was too easy. Yeah, well, you should. Yeah, you should have gone for it. I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, the countries around it are Jordan, Israel, and the West Bank, and obviously it's not a sea at all, but a lake, but made up of an astonishing thirty percent worth of salt, which is pretty good going, isn't it? Have you ever done the um, lying there reading a paper? Um, either of you, it is strongly. Oh, yes. Strongly to be uh, recommended. Um, I, I I haven't actually. You have, have you, Lynn? Did you did you did you try and swim in it? It's supposedly very difficult to actually exactly, swim. You know, it really did just float, and, and that's all the point. You know, and ha have a drink brought out to you or something. But uh, no. <laughs> and don't get it in your eyes. It's incredibly Ooh, um, full of full of uh, all kinds of nasty chemicals, minerals, minerals. I think we must say. Ah, yeah. Okay, onwards and downwards. So <laughs> now this one's in the UK. Holm Fen is a puny nine feet below sea level, 2.75 metres. But which county is it in? Uh, yeah, Simon. I was thinking of going Lincolnshire, but I'm going to go Cambridgeshire. Well, you're right, actually. Um, I, the rest of my uh, clues were it's a valuable nature reserve, a prime example of birch forest. And you can see, or rather hear, nightingales at the right time of year. It's just off the A1M and just south of Peterborough. So that's home fen and a point to Simon. Next round, tiny creature spotting. Where would you go to see the following? First, a bee hummingbird. It's only found in one country. Wow. Uh, I, I, I think Lynn got there just first, actually. What, what do you think, Lynn? Cuba. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Yay! I must carry on because I'm quite proud of one of these clues. It's only found in one country, which is also a kind of rarity, a political one, though. Anyway, that's Cuba. It's an absolute miniature, even amongst hummingbirds, and is often mistaken for a bee. The Ooh. eggs are about the size of coffee beans. Yes. And see that. How about this tiny creature, the Desmond? 
It's found in two geographical locations, and the larger species is in Russia. But the smaller one, which is the one I'm interested in, is found in which mountain range? Um, it's a bit like a hamster, grey, big webbed rear feet and a long snout-like trunk, like a minute elephant. It likes clear mountain streams. It's nocturnal. Uh, Simon. Well, I'm I'm just going to take a, a complete step. Um, would I remember this by any chance? You and I, Mick, have walked uh, many times across the Pyrenees. It wouldn't be there, would it? It would, actually, oh. yeah. This funny little thing, which is extremely rare and very difficult to see, partly because it's in... And what's it called again? The Desmond? The Desmond, yeah, D-E-S-M-A-N. Uh, it, it's related to the mole. It's an aquatic version, really, and it's virtually blind. Um, and... I don't know how much of the Pyrenees you can still find it in, but it's certainly been um, spotted um, by some very sharp-eyed people in the uh, in the Alt Pirineo National Park. So that's on the uh, Spanish side, obviously. The Desmond. Next round, epic journeys. Okay, the first one is on foot. It, this epic journey, ends in Kirk Yetolm in the Scottish borders. It's 268 miles long. It's the Pennine Way. But, Simon, that's not the question. Where exactly no, does no. it start? Edale. Okay, you're absolutely right. I'll give you that. I think, um, morally, I'm obliged to hand back my uh, my um, uh, point for that because I was actually going to say, before you, um, before you said that, because, of course, you thought I was going to say the Pennine Way, I was actually going to say the West Highland Way, which would have been completely wrong. But I did know the answer, Edale. And if, if Lynn knew Edale, then uh, she deserves No, no, point. no. If I not, must I admit, I thought that... West Highland Way. <laughs> uh, that's very decent of you, Lynn. I'll give the point to Simon. Um, there we go. So this is the Pennine uh, Way National Trail. So you can uh, start in, in Edale in uh, Derbyshire. Uh, and then walk for 268 miles across some of the finest upland landscapes in England and then uh, into uh, into Scotland. I, I've heard from people who've I've done a, you know, a few little stretches of the Pennine Way. I've heard from people who've done the whole lot that actually as a long distance trail. It's not completely a huge amount of fun and not least because it gets kind of over over visited relative to other great walks. Um, uh, but having having not completed it, we are, of course, always delighted to hear your views. Uh, just tweet us at you should have BT. Maybe a bonus point for the plug there, Simon. Well done. Uh, <laughs> the next one is um, an epic journey by train. Well, the stats say everything about this journey. 656 kilometres of tracks, 37 bridges, 86 tunnels and more than 60 years in the making. Uh, it's the Copper Canyon Railway and it's one of the world's most incredible railway journeys uh, and northern Mexico's biggest single attraction. But where would you go to start it? I'm going to make the noise of a small dog. Ruff, ruff, um, a chihuahua. Yes, you're absolutely right. It goes up and over the northern Sierra Madre uh, and down to Los Mochis on the coast. It, it's, um, I'll give you a bonus question here. It does start in Chihuahua and about halfway you stop at, uh, at the top of Copper Canyon in a place called Divisadero. Um, for a bonus, who might you see there? <laughs> Which indigenous people, I should perhaps be more specific, well, not not Mayans. This one is quite difficult. No, not Mayans. It's the Tarahumara, the Tarahumara, who are uh, the 
people who obviously uh, originally lived and still do in this area and they're renowned as great runners and um, they they were the messengers of the aztecs apparently and they can mm. run for days on end Ooh. and uh, they have a an amazing ball game which <laughs> lasts three days and you can see them um, uh doing a bit of it for the tourists at uh, at, at uh, Divisadero station. I can't understand why they haven't um, uh, carried off Olympic medals, but maybe it's too short a distance, the old marathon for them. I don't know. <laughs> well, it sounds as though they got the Mexican equivalent of a marathon monopoly session on Christmas Day. Uh, good for them and uh, good for you for bringing us that extra, extra colour, Mick. Well, thank you very much, but you're not going to get another point for that flattery. (laughs) These are quotes uh, from um, travel writers, uh, travel writer explorers. So who said or wrote the following, do you think? For my 10th birthday, my parents gave me a secondhand bicycle and Papa, that was her grandfather, sent me a secondhand atlas. Already I was an enthusiastic cyclist, although I'd never before owned a bicycle. And soon after my birthday, I resolved to cycle to India one day. Mm. Lynn. Davla Murphy. Ah. Absolutely spot on. Do you know what the result of her um, famous trip to India through Europe on a bicycle was called when it was published? Full Tilt. Yes. Very good, yes. Bonus point to you for that. Great explorer, great character, Dervla Murphy. And still, yeah, still going strong as well and living out in the wilds in Ireland. Good for her. And uh, here's another one. This is in the form of a very terse telegram, apparently, saying, gone to Patagonia. Bruce Chatwin. Bruce Chatwin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. What did he write as a result of that? No points for that. but. Uh... Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, in Patagonia, wasn't it? Yes, it was in Patagonia. And that gone to Patagonia is allegedly his telegram of resignation to the Sunday Times magazine in uh, 1974. Uh, and and um, look, I, I can um, strongly recommend if you if you are unable to get to Patagonia for whatever reason at the moment, then you can actually go to the Vision Farm um, in the... Um, uh, Black Mountains of um, of, of lovely uh, uh, southeast Wales, and uh, it, it's it's a gorgeous place to be. And this is where he used to live, and I think where he wrote on the Black Hill. Um, and strongly to be recommended. It's, uh, it's slightly tricky to reach, but um, if you haven't got a car, but um, a, a joy ah, to be. In. I thought you were recommending the novel, which I have read and is very good as well. Uh, yes, you should certainly read the novel as well, and maybe even see the film, which you can probably find on your favourite streaming service. Uh, begins with the sh- the, uh, I think, um, either farming today or possibly even more oddly, the uh, shipping forecast. I do recall from Radio Good Off Radio Four. One rule for them. <laughs> now, I'm going to read out some descriptions of desirable holiday accommodation that has been in the news during the era of COVID. But um, who is connected with each of these? Okay, so here we go. First one. The Irene, or probably Irene Villa, is a two-story villa that is fully furnished and has its own swimming pool, which is ideal for a cool, refreshing dip during the summer months. Um, It has four twin bedrooms, which we are sure you will find extremely comfortable. It also has two kitchens. 
The views from the villa are inspiring as you look out towards the blue waters of the Pagasitic Gulf. There is a lovely garden area and veranda where you can take a seat and simply soak in the natural beauty that Pelion is so famous for. Um, who is connected with this holiday haven? Ah, oh, yes. Um, yes, go on, Simon. This must be Stanley Johnson, the Prime Minister's father. Yes, you're quite um, right. I'll just just say we're recording this, so I'm referring to Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. He may not be by the time you listen. Yes, and and um, uh, my, my uh, you might have uh, recalled having seen a photograph of him sitting in a taverna at a time when we were all sitting at home, thinking, "When are we going to be able to go to Greece?" He he got out because he had to do some urgent work on the property. Um, and uh, that was taken by my um, my Greek friend, Alexandra. Ah. Um, I'm not sure that she ever got the money that was due to her from various online sites, but but there we are. A beautiful part of Greece. So he's got, um, I was going to say, he's got good taste. Uh, it's well, All I can say is it is a lovely part of Greece. Um, quite tricky to find, but uh, well. Yeah, I mean, it was controversial because at the time, government guidelines stated that British nationals should avoid all but essential travel to uh, Greece. Yes. But um, as he went, via Sofia in Bulgaria, um, he seemed to have um, circumvented uh, this particular little problem. Um, uh, anyway, and and he said that it was essential to COVID-proof his villa, although there weren't any rules in um, Greece at the time compelling landlords to COVID-proof their homes for letting. And uh, anyway, uh, anyway, guess how much the villa Irini would cost for a week during peak season. This is a bonus, actually. To the nearest hundred pounds, seven thousand pounds. Lynn, uh, four thousand. Yeah, I give it to you. It's two thousand one hundred. So kind of not. Oh, oh crikey! Why aren't we all there? Let's let's <laughs> go and do the next quiz from Four there. bedrooms, you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what it says. So, uh, okay. What about this one? The hotel. Styled as a sparkling boutique resort for the privileged and perceptive. So you'll, you'll understand why I'm laughing in a minute. It is a unique hotel built around water that allures you at every turn. Styled after the uh, sprawling palaces of the Minoan kings and Venetian nobles who once ruled Crete. Ah, I'm, I, I, I'm not aware of any scandals involving Crete, but... A full-scale international emergency was going on at the time of this person's stay. Dominic Raab. Uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Dominic, <laughs> Dominic Raab. Yes, very good. He, he of course, said he was sort of on the case the whole time he was there. But um, a, a quote, a quote from one of the popular papers was that uh, we were surprised to see him. Dominic Raab, that is, lounging around on the beach on the very day Kabul was falling into <laughs> Taliban hands. Sorry, I mean, there's tragic, tragic circumstances. Yeah, I'm sorry, we but, shouldn't um, be laughing. Yeah. Uh, uh, just just yet another step along the uh, in the um, pantomime of government that we've endured for, uh, well, quite some time. Oh, getting political again, do I get a mark deducted? Well, yes, I'm sorry, it's a slippery yeah. slope. Maybe this should be in the lows uh, uh, round. But uh, here's another one. I'm going to call this one Guess Who and Where Exactly. I mean, the uh, okay, this, this place... Um, uh, offers a sophisticated but relaxed setting. Um, 
uh, a secret paradise, um, an expansive house uh, with a well-established terrace garden, which still has the original Moorish irrigation streams and channels. Um, it's called the Torre de Tramores. Uh, you can get um, 10 bedrooms, maid service, uh, two pools, one of them heated, games room, a helicopter pad, um, beautiful gardens, 10 blah, blah, blah. Um, um, and um, <clears throat> and a tennis court, and it's close to now which um, Spanish uh, village or small town? Yes, uh, Lynn. Marbella. It is actually. I'll give you Marbella. I was going to go for Mar- Benavis, which is a smaller village inland from Marbella, and of course the um, the person involved here is um, Boris himself. That's right. Yes, Boris and uh, and and family um, um, at the. Um... Well, not all his family, obviously, because he'd need a much bigger. <laughs> no, but there were ten bedrooms. It does sleep nineteen, so I suppose it would be. Oh, actually, well, yeah, on second thoughts, yeah, he could have taken them all, we think. (laughs) Yeah, well, there is a bonus um, here. Which friend of the family um, actually provided this um, slice of heaven for um, zero pounds or euros? Can you remember? Oh, um, so a billionaire. Was, was Was it Zach Goldsmith? Yes, Zach Goldsmith. Enough said the last round which is merry christmas spelt um with isthmus at the end um now you <laughs> have to tell me which bodies which two bodies of water are either side of these isthmuses the first one is Ooh. mavis grind it sounds like an online um, porn um, star but it's actually a yes uh, simon I was there this summer when I couldn't go to many other places, and you've got the uh, uh, the North Sea and the Atlantic Ocean, and this is a uh, a, a very narrow peninsula um, in the far north of Shetland, and you can actually throw a, a lob a stone from from the North Sea to the uh, uh, to, to the Atlantic. Well, very good. Now, um, what about this one, the Isthmus of Panama? Which two bodies of water would you uh, expect to find on I? Yes, Lynn. The Pacific and the Atlantic. Yes, that's right. I, there is a bonus point for this, which is um, you're absolutely right. That is that is true. Um, but to, to, you could be more specific about those uh, bodies of water, if you know what I mean. They have a kind of uh, uh, a sub name. Uh, the Caribbean. I'm going to go for. Yes, the Caribbean Sea. Yeah, on the on the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, what side? about on the uh, um, on the Panama the side? Gulf the Gulf of Panama, I'm going to call it, even if that. Just... Yes, actually, is very, it really very good? You're, yeah, you're very well done, oh. Simon. So you get a bonus for that. Um, okay, so uh, hang on. So that's one each for that, and uh, one for Simon there. Um, um, so I'm going to say um, end of quiz. Oh. Just going to run this through the computer. Is it being independently adjudicated? I'm afraid the independent adjudicator has gone out for a walk. <laughs> However, I'm very happy. 
as in the best competitions, such as Strictly Come Dancing, we will throw it open to the listeners. So do please um, uh, tweet in to us with the person who you think is the worthy winner of the great Christmas quiz <laughs> and any other thoughts you uh, have about it. Um, so the great prize of the luxury villa in the Caribbean is on hold. But don't worry, one of you will be going there one of these days. Uh, well, I, I, I think that was a marvellous, marvellous um, uh, quiz. Thank you very much indeed, Mick. You uh, and anybody who is voting, it's just um, uh, at you should have BT and begin your message, Simon. There we are. <laughs> and just so you know, Lynn is spelled L-Y-N. <laughs> Nice and simple. Well, thank you both for your um, brilliance and uh, and forbearance, and uh, all the very best for Christmas and the New Year to uh, everybody. So, from uh, from me, uh, Mick Webb, from me, Simon Calder, and from me, Lynn Hughes. Goodbye. Goodbye.